It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com and from BearcatJournal.com. Our friend Chad Brendel. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, even in a week when nothing really happened for UC or Xavier. Um, and NKU struggled over the weekend, losing a, a double dip to IUPUI. But we'll start with Kentucky, where the Wildcats lost to Alabama, which I think they've proven to be maybe the best team in the SEC. And Tennessee may have something to say about that. Um, and, th- and that's not awful in the fact it was a 20 point loss at home, and that doesn't happen very often. And then they go to Auburn and Auburn has the new point guard over the last four games. And he's been really good and Kentucky couldn't guard him and they lost that game. But the thing that has stood out is the quote after the game from, from John Calipari. And he was asked about why Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin didn't start the second half after they both led the team in scoring in the first half. And he says, I want to win every game I coach, but on the other side, I'm not trying, trying to take anyone's heart away. You can sub them three minutes ago. We didn't start the half that bad. That wasn't the case. So I, I, there's been a lot that's been written to this, Phyllis. So I'm going to start with you, Chad, on this one, because you usually have hot takes more than what? Rick is usually more reasoned. But you, you have hot takes. So what, what do you think that Cal meant by that comment? I, I honestly have, I mean, he's, he's trying not to hurt BJ Boston's feelings. Like that's, that's what I, that's, that's my thought, but okay. I, I don't know how else you're supposed to take it, but, uh, I mean, when are we going to start talking about Deontay Allen entering the transfer portal? Like that, that if you're Deontay Allen and you're the better player, but you're not playing because you're trying not to hurt BJ Boston's feelings. Like what are we, this is, college basketball, college sports at the highest of high major levels. And we're worried about where, where, hang on, where, where, where winning matters. Yeah. Winning at Kentucky. Like, I don't know. Like he lost me with that one. Cause it, he's usually, is this like him protecting his ability to be able to recruit one and done players? See, see, see. And I thought, I thought a little bit of that, actually, I thought there was a little bit of that. That's disturbing if you're a Kentucky fan, though, right? Like that's uh, that's not the message I want to be hearing in a year where they're they're struggling bad and, and and can't find a rhythm, and you've got a kid that's playing as well or better than anybody else on the team, and and you're not playing him because you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. Like, what are, what are we doing, Rick? What are you reading in this? Well, let me start off with saying. I don't really care at all who starts halves. And the yeah, fact of the matter of is Dante Allen played 23 minutes. Brandon Boston played 27 minutes. It's not like we're talking about a huge disparity here. So it's not like Dante Allen was benched for the game. So, I mean, pe- some people are going a little bit overboard with, you know, the fact Agreed. that he was like benched and that isn't really the case. Now, on the other side, I think we have finally gotten to the point that for the UK fans who always complained about Calipari and the one and done thing, and they didn't like it, we have finally hit their worst case scenario. We are finally at that point where Calipari is, as you guys alluded to it, he is put first. I got to make sure my five-star recruits get to the NBA above our team winning games. 
That's where they're at right now. Let's face it. I said it on a podcast with you earlier, Skinny. There was no logical reason for him not to be playing Dante Allen more earlier in the season. Then you finally got to that one game where Dante Allen randomly got insanely hot. You had him on the floor a little bit. Then you get ejected and your your coaches play him more after you go out. So you have no choice but to pretty much play Dante Allen 25 to 30 minutes a game the rest of the season no matter what. We said that a week or so ago after he went off. That was going to hold true the whole way. No matter what he did, if Dante Allen didn't play a lot of minutes in every single game the rest of the way, the fan base was going to go nuts because of the way that Cal played his hand. And so now to go back on that and start playing Brandon Boston when he's not doing anything more than you're playing Dante Allen, they have a legitimate argument here if you're a UK fan. And for the people who never liked this system and never liked the one and done thing and, and have been complaining about Cal for a while, to me, this is their worst case scenario because I really do believe he has gone to the point where he has put getting these guys to the NBA and making sure the five-star recruits have as much leash as possible above Kentucky winning basketball games. All right, so fellas, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll start with you again, Chad. I'll go back to you. Do you understand that? Because he realizes that, listen, I got to have dudes, and that's fine. You got to have dudes. You can't have schmucks playing basketball. Do you understand that? Or is it a point where... Listen, eventually, this is a house of cards that when it implodes, it's got a chance chance to implode badly, not just this year, but let's just say after this year, Cal says, you know what, I'm tired of it. He's not going to because he's got a $50 million buyout. But whenever that time comes, and let's say it ends badly, how much could that set the program back for years? I mean, I think that's a little bit over the top, but I mean, if we're being honest with each other, he hasn't been recruiting at an elite Kentucky level for some time now. Well, I mean, I mean, Brandon Boston was top the, five player in the country. I mean, okay, let's go back to see when the last top five player he had was because he didn't get one in 2019. The highest ranked he got ten and eleven, which is okay. But for Kentucky, for for what Cal is talking about, not hurting a guy's feelings, not you know getting on the wrong side. Nobody in the top five in 2018. Nobody in the top five in 2019. You go back to 2017. Highest rated recruit again, 11 and 12. He's been recruiting in that nine to nine to 15 range, which for most places is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Right. But what are these but, classes ranked? I mean, they were all ranked in the top three in the country, right? I mean, it's not like he's yeah, but, been struggling. But you're missing on what I'm saying. It's the the top five guys, the top three guys are the difference makers. And he's yeah. not getting, he hasn't gotten any of those guys for three, four, five years until Boston. So that's what he's protecting, right? Like that's what he's trying to like go out of his way. Maybe as an overcorrection because he wasn't able to hit those home runs. He's hit a lot of like doubles and triples, but he didn't get Porter. He didn't get Bagley. He didn't get Bomba. He didn't get Aiton. He didn't get Wiseman. I mean, didn't not get that, Wiseman. Not that he was going to get Wiseman, but didn't get Wiseman. Didn't get RJ. Didn't get Cam. Didn't get Nizier Little. Um, okay, you know. okay, but I mean, I mean, we can go on and on and on about the uh, amount of guys but, you don't get. You, you no, get, but you don't get ninety percent of the guys you recruit. The thing is, he's been number one, number two, or number three in the country in recruiting. Pretty much every year he's been at you're, Kentucky. You're missing what I'm, no, you're missing no, what I, I'm saying. No, I, I hear what you're saying. He's trying to protect ben, Brandon Boston because he's top five and he hasn't been getting top five players. That's fine. But all of his guys go to the NBA and kill it anyways. So what's like what's the narrative there that he's been missing out on for not getting top five guys? Like there's no real argument 
for him not to get those guys other than he just hasn't gotten a few of them. I don't think that's I, – I'm I mean, not buying into that. We're going back five years. Okay, but he's, again – He's got he's one top, top five guy in five but years. But he's getting top ten guys. Like, what's the difference? There's really no the, – the recruiting guys aren't that good. Let's face it. Well, then, then, then honestly, let me ask you this then. If that's the case, can he not coach? No, I, I mean, th- this team is bad. I mean, flat out. Like, I don't think Coach Cal has had many issues during his tenure at UK. You're not going to win every single season. And when you're turning over your roster every year, it's going to be tough. Like, people have higher expectations than are realistic for every program in the country, but especially a, a program like UK. But this year, it's, things are really bad. They have the pieces that don't fit. And, and quite honestly, Brandon Boston is nowhere near being a top five type player in the country. He was completely overrated. Well, okay, so so then we go to this, um, and you know, Final Fours came pretty easily his first five or six years. They've Why? not come very easily late because he had good dudes, no question. Because he's Cause getting he great, the top he five guys. Great well, but I go back to then. So does this come down to if you don't? I mean, no offense. In this league, you sh- you should be better than Auburn. You should be better than Alabama. I don't care how bad your recruiting is, and, and I get it's freshman. Been. They have been. I Not, mean, this is one year. Dude, it's been five years, six years since they've been to a Final Four. Am I wrong in that? Okay, how right. many has Auburn been to in that time? How many has Tennessee been to in that time? How's he, how many have any other SEC teams been to in that time? They're still the class Dude, of the SEC. Well, hang on, hang on. Are you me- but, but are you measuring yourself to the SEC or nationally? Well, nationally, but you were just saying that they weren't the best team in the SEC, and that's I'm ta- No, no, I'm talking about this year. Okay, yeah, this is one year. I agree with that. Well, but I just don't want to look. Let's just not go overboard with the ridiculousness of our statements here. Like they're not good this year. It doesn't mean they aren't the class of the SEC every other single season. I I just wonder at some point do kids just go? You know what? I'm not going to go play for that. I'll play. Why I'll on play earth would they play. say that when all when he all of his players are dominating the NBA and all recruits want to go make the most money possible in the NBA? Right. That makes but here's the thing: it, 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 it's just chicken and egg, though, Rick. And that's a great question. It's a good point, but it's chicken and egg. Are they good because they were great players? Or are they good because he made them great players? Well, I don't think it needs to be one or the other. You're asking Kenny. Continue- sure it is. No, you're asking Kenny continue to get good players. And the answer is yes. And it doesn't matter whether it's him or the talent. As long as the kids go to UK, they end up in the NBA and they kill it while they're there, which has clearly been the case. If you look at the amount, well, there ain't of- no one, there ain't no one in this roster going to do it. Well, you say that. I think Isaiah Jackson's going to be a fantastic NBA. Player. I think he's going to be a terrible NBA player. Well, I think he's going to be awesome. He's a good defender, and he can't make anything offensively. So he is—he's um, Kelly Oubre. Good luck to you. Well, <laughs> Kelly Oubre's making a hell of a lot of money. He is, and good for him. But it doesn't well, make so, him a good so there's player. that's what matters in recruiting. Do you make a lot of money after you leave UK? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. So, like the idea that UK is not going to be able to recruit with John Calipari going forward is just ridiculous. Now, if you want to argue the point of and UK fans maybe want something different. I can understand that because we are at the point where it's clear Calipari has put his guys making money and no his top question. getting that money over no question. winning basketball games. And I think that's a much better argument. All right, so, the argument that he can't recruit is silly. No, I, so, the, 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 my argument wasn't that he can't recruit. No, I know. That he's I know. not doing it at, an elite, at that, the elite level that he was well, 2010 I to 2015. I mean, I, I still disagree with that. But, I mean, I, get your, I heard your point, Chad. I, I understand what you're saying. I just don't think it really matters. All right, so let's go to that. So, so can he recruit at a high level moving forward? Yes, at a yeah. level to overwhelming get back yes. to a final form. He will continue to be the number one, number two, or number three class in the country every single year. I don't think that's up for debate. Why? Why do you think that? 
because all of his players make a ton of money in the NBA. And that's the only thing for the most part that kids care about and understandable. But if, so. I'm, I, but if I'm recruiting against him, I go, you know what? You can make it with me. Why would you say that when all of his players are the stars in the NBA? Uh, Joel Embiid's a star. Do you play for him? I'm not saying there aren't other stars, but I'm saying well, okay. his statistics stack up better than everyone else's. So it's not like you have a legitimate argument if you're the coach of anywhere else. I mean, Duke, basically, that's the only other well, one I, that can make this argument right all now. All right, so then so then the flip side of this is then why can't you win a national title with Tyler Hero, who apparently underachieved at Kentucky? And in theory, he did. In theory, Devin he did. Booker. He should have. Skinny, yes. skinny, you're arguing a million different things here. If you want to have I that am. argument about UK fans well, then let's wanting have something argument. different and winning college basketball games, that's a good argument. If you want to argue Cal can't recruit no, no, college then, players, that's ridiculous. Rick, then let's have that argument. Then So then why I'm can't you, you win with Tyler Hero? Well, I, I think that's a good argument. I think it's very hard to turn over your roster year after year and win with young players. I, I, I mean, we've had this argument a lot, and I agree right. with everything that's been said. Then the don't have is, it. But but well, not, not you. I mean, just don't have younger <laughs> players. Well, but here, but here's the thing, though. What is it? I guess the, the 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 real question is: Is it better to do something else if you're UK? Meaning, you have a coach who recruits worse players that stick around longer, and I guess maybe assimilate more to a a specified system. I, I think that's what, the alternative here, right? It, well, and here's the thing before you go, Chad, I know you're, you're about to die, not going yet, but I mean, you well, two I, are just t- take, I mean, you're, you're, this is fun. No, I'm having fun right now. No, but here, here's the thing. And I think that's where the UK fan base is of, they remember the eighties and the nineties, not the last part of the eighties, but the nineties <laughs> through Rick into the, into the early two thousands before the end of tubby into Gillespie, they remember three and four years for your players. And so they remember that right or wrong. They remember that. And that's not the way it goes today. And I get that. I'm an old guy, guys, as you know, I'm an old dude. I get it. I'm back in those days. Um, but I, I get the fan base that says, you know what? I'm done with this. I've been done with this for a while. I just have, I just don't, I don't enjoy Kentucky basketball anymore. I just, it's just, I don't enjoy guys coming in and being mercenaries. I just don't enjoy it. Couldn't, couldn't you make an argument that Kentucky could be the ultimate Villanova where they live in that 15 to mid range, 20, that, well, that 15 to 50 range where you build. And that's what Villanova's done. It's gotten a little different now because they have sent a couple guys early, but that's how Jay Wright built his whole thing was being the anti-Cal and, and coach K by doing what they weren't doing anymore and getting the, I mean, that's what Kentucky fans want, right? And that's what they say they want right now. Rick, I'll let you answer that. It's a good question. I think the solution to winning college basketball games is actually easier than that for UK because they can go out and get top 10 players and you don't have to commit to one or the other. I think the one thing that John Calipari and Kentucky has consistently refused to do is backload their roster with one, two, three skilled guys that are legitimate division one sec caliber players it's either a a walk-on caliber guy who's from the state that really you know that really can't play at this level who you give 10 minutes to when you just have that opening on your team because your freshmen aren't quite hacking it or it's see see jared polson right or or it's you know or even dominique hawkins who was not what you needed he was just a defender really but like or you get these 
top five-star recruits who just aren't quite ready. They don't have the field. The skill isn't quite there because let's face it, freshmen don't always shoot up to their potential, even if they end up being great shooters in the NBA. And, and, you know, some of those guys have individually Malik Monk and, and Jamal Murray and stuff were great shooters at Kentucky. I'm not, not saying none of these guys have shot well, but I, it just feels like the best teams, even at UK, you look back, like they had a Darius Miller, backfilling the roster as a senior, you know, like you had some guys that understood how to play that had some skill level. And I think if they committed to those guys and and played a few of them consistently, it would work out fine. The problem with that is, is it's very clear looking at what we have in this situation, this season, Cal ain't going to do that. Like Cal is going to continue to play the guy who has the best chance to be a lottery pick, or at least a first round pick and continue to get as many guys drafted as possible and that's his philosophy on how this th- thing should be done. I don't so, necessarily begrudge him that. I don't necessarily think he's wrong in doing that, but I do think it's a reasonable argument to say we don't want that if we're a college program. So how much do two guys like Jamaro Baker, Baker and uh, Johnny Juzang hurt Cal in this argument? Because he basically ran both of those guys off. And both of those guys, while well, they're, they're having really strong seasons at Arizona and, and UCLA so far. Yeah. I mean, that has to be part of what people are looking at and saying those are two guys that could have been those three and four year pieces. And And what do both of them offer that this team doesn't have? And and that's where it comes down to occasionally you have to massage a guy like Jamal Baker and Johnny Juzang and realize you're a three point per game guy as a freshman. You're going to be really good, but we're going to recruit over top of you. And then those kids look and go. Okay, I get it. You're going to recruit over top of me, and I'm going elsewhere. And I think there's a, there's a factor to that. Well, I mean, even even Kyle Wilcher to a certain extent. Sure. Right, at his good, sophomore, good point. Yeah. sophomore year, he played more minutes, but I think it was clear that he and Cal never really connected, and, and Cal was really, really hard on him for reasons unbeknownst to a lot of people. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That is kind of – I think that absolutely hurts Cal, and it's kind of become not just – how he he runs things but it's become a little bit of a narrative that's taken on its own life with with kids and and so yeah it's they're in a tough situation in that regard but i don't think it's a hard fix if if he commits to wanting to just win college basketball games the thing is i don't think that's cal's end goal i've got i've got got another one for rick before we before we move on you're good you're good how much of this is cal won't change to the new style of basketball he wants to play two bigs He, he he's in he's forcing two bigs on this team and leaving Deontay Allen on the bench more than he should be. Um, and he has been this way for like, he, he is diehard. He wants to have two bigs on the floor. Uh, as we saw with, with guys like Baker and Juzang, they should have been on the floor more because they could offer shooting and spacing that, that, you know, those teams lacked uh, while they were at Kentucky. Is this also a matter of Cal's system is, the way Cal coaches is the old way and the old way is, is quickly going away. Personally, I don't really buy into that. Um, two things on that one, Keon Brooks has returned and like against yes. Auburn, for instance, we saw Keon Brooks playing the four a lot. So there was, and I don't see Keon Brooks as like a true post player. He's more of a face up guy. So while he's not, he is more of a forward than a guard and you're not playing like a small lineup. I don't think you're playing two traditional big or like post players with that lineup. And I think that's ultimately what they would like to do. They were screwed when Keon Brooks went out and they had to play Isaiah Jackson and Olivier Saar together. I think the ultimate idea is you play Saar and Jackson in tandem at the center and you play Brooks at the four and that's their best lineup. Now to 
that point in general, I think that Cal has overwhelmingly proved that his offense works best when he has dudes. You hear the yeah. NBA guys talk when they go on podcasts and they say, Cal lets us do our thing. That's his offense was great. It, he, he runs actions. It's not that he doesn't know how to X and O, but ultimately it comes back to he sets his best players up to get into a ball screen or get downhill and make some plays. And what hap- what's the problem with this team? They lack dudes. Like their offense wasn't even that bad in the Auburn game. I go back to the first half, the second half around the 10 minute mark, it got really bad. But like the first half of that game, the ball movement isn't bad. They're creating no, they, some they, good they, actions. They, yeah, they miss they shots. Have, yeah. And they don't have a go-to guy. Like everyone's right. a nice second or third piece when, when Keon Brooks is there and they're doing things the right way. But they don't have one guy that can just break you down and either create for his teammates or just get to the rim every time. I mean, they don't even have a Tyrese Maxey type guy who that can just almost always make a play for, for somebody. They don't have anybody like that on this team. All right, so, so th- this is going to segue into the before we get to um, we're going to look at both the uh, the Big East and the American Athletic Conference because both UC and Xavier are never going to play a game again, apparently. So um, we, we want to look at where those things stand. But um, I was asked a question tonight when I did the Sports Authority with Jed Demusi about conference tournaments. And obviously, Kentucky's only chance to get to the NCAA tournament is going to be the conference tournament the rate it's going. Um, do you think they will take place – I said yes, because I said I thought, you know, you can get them into a semi-bubble. I'm not a big bubble guy, but I get you get them into a semi-bubble. And I think the fact that the way these schedules have been so um, combobulated and so... Uneven. Uneven, yeah. Discombobulated. Yeah, discombobulated. Thank you. That you (laughs) You almost have to have a conference tournament, right? Or no? Well, yeah, the, the farther we go, the more I think the conference tournaments matter, personally. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree with that to an extent, but I, what I wonder is how many teams are going to be invited to each conference tournament. Is that going to be you, you? You don't think it'll be all? You'll think there'll, there'll be a cutoff? I think there's too much inherent risk in inviting all okay 12, 14, 16, whatever teams to one place. Don't I mean? Don't you like? Isn't it easier? See, if you see, bubble I disagree. Up top eight? See, see, yeah, I'm with. I, I disagree. I think that's where you can actually control it a whole lot better. Rick, I'll let you go on that, but that's a. I, I think you control the situation a lot better in that circumstance. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, there may be a team that gets screwed at that last second if you happen to pop a, a positive test. Right, and but you that, but play, that, you know but what? Shame on you. Yeah, it is what it is at that point. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily shame on you. I don't know if you can control it, but it just is what it is, right? I mean, there's no real recourse there. I do think the more I see how this is playing out, teams and conferences aren't rescheduling games or adding games to the schedule the way I thought they really would try to. It seems like most conferences are kind of looking at it now as like, hey, maybe we've got a week on the back end that we've built in for some makeup or something. But a lot of them are just looking like it looks like everyone's going to get to 13 games. I think we're all right here. It doesn't seem like there's a, a real urgency to make makeup games happen. So I think the, the conference tournaments are going to have uh, an added significance this season. Do we not think teams will get to 13 games, teams that matter? I, I think almost no. everybody has to this point. Yeah, but, all the important teams are almost there. Right. I mean, Nova's at nine. They haven't played since December 23rd, but, you know, you got to think at nine, you're going get to get to that point. All right, let's go. Um, 
let's look at the the leagues that you guys cover. The Big East for starters, where Nova's eight and one, three and zero. Oh, they have literally not played since December twenty third, which is crazy to me. Then you got UConn four seven and one, four and one. Creighton ten and three, six and two, and they just lost to Butler at Butler. Seton Hall nine and five, six and two, which beat Xavier. And then as goofy as it sounds, as much as Xavier's look like it's been frustrating, it looks like it's got issues. They're ten and two and three and two. Um, I'll start with you, Rick, obviously on this one, because it's what the team you cover for, uh, for musketeerreport.com. Are they about where you thought at this point? Yeah, I, I think so. Ultimately, I think early on, everyone got down on them and said, oh, they look worse than expectations. And you try to remind them, well, they were picked to finish seventh in the Big East for a reason. There are some things to work through here. And then they have that run against UC and Oklahoma and Marquette, and they shoot the lights out and people are saying, well, they're going to win the Big East. It's pretty clear now. And then they lose back-to-back games to Creighton, Seton Hall. Their offense struggles against St. John's. Providence was a little bit better, a little more even-keeled game. It was a solid win. Uh, So ultimately, I think you end up kind of in the same spot. They're somewhere jumbled up in that mix of the Big East, and that could be somewhere around third or fourth. It could be somewhere around sixth, seventh, or eighth. I think the thing I've come away with is they have a higher upside than I thought going into the season. I think when they're at their best, They can really play with most teams in the country because they can catch fire from the outside and they do play well offensively at times and really move the ball well. And they have just enough athleticism, especially when Dwan Odom's in the lineup at point guard to heat up the other team's ball handlers, that that they can do enough defensively to to get some stops when when it's crunch time. But, you know, ultimately, I think they're a middle-of-the-pack Big East team, and I think they'll be probably on the right side of the bubble based on the fact that they they took care of business in the close games they had yeah. early on here. And so they are 10-2 and two now instead of 8-4 and four and with, with a bad loss or two on the resume. So I think they'll probably be on the right side of the bubble headed down the stretch, but they definitely need to take care of business and end up at least 500 in the Big East. Chad, before I let you get to you on that uh, comment, uh, Xavier's supposed to play at UConn on Wednesday. Do we think that game's going off? Latest I've heard is, yeah, I think it's um, basically been a controlled positive test outbreak. I think they had a day off or something. So there's some weird things here in terms of contact tracing where guys might not have been around each other necessarily. So latest I've heard is we have a press conference scheduled for Monday to talk about Wednesday's game and it's supposed to happen. That's a, that's a good point. Um, Chad, because I, 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 the thing is, I like you, both of you guys to comment on the other team in the other league. Chad, what do you <laughs> think of the Big East so far? Uh, it's solid. I mean, I, I think it's about where we kind of thought the league was going to be this year, where um, a lot of teams kind of really bunched up in the middle of the pack. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody has really jumped out as like that number two. Like we maybe thought Creighton was. Um, and then lost on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, they're Butler. just kind of still. Yeah. They're, and Butler's not very Stinks. good. Yeah. Yeah. So and and even that game at Xavier at home, you would think Xavier is as poorly as they played offensively in that game that Creighton would have had a convincing more, a more convincing win than they had, but Creighton's offense wasn't very good that day. So um, I I think there's a a legit number one in Villanova that again, but they're going on a month having not played. So how long does it take them to get back into a rhythm when they do? And then kind of like what we thought going into the season that two through Eight, probably seven, eight. We're going to be really jumbled up. Um, Rick, is UConn the second best team in this league? Well, I, I was just going to get into that. Now, granted, they had somewhat of, I guess you would say, a favorable. Now, it was on the road, but somewhat of a favorable stretch here to start Big East play. They lost their first game um, at home in overtime against Creighton, but yeah. then they beat DePaul. They beat 
Marquette at Marquette. They won at Butler and they won at DePaul again. So they got off to the next best start in Big East play at four and one, seven and one overall. The problem is James Booknight just got hurt. So he's going to be yeah. out for an undetermined amount of time, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a uh, a short stay on the injured list. So no, and that's, that where, complete- that's where that's where that and that's where you'd love to play them this Wednesday, right? Right for Xavier, it'd be good. That changes time. everything. And, but it also it, again it jumbles things back up even more. So no, I can't say UConn is the second best team now, especially with Book Knight out, who's their best player, by far their best player, maybe the top three player in the league. Well, yeah, he, I mean he's a legit Big East Player of the Year contender right now. Yeah. No, you're right. Without without book night and, and what he's show he had shoulder surgery, they said this week, and or he had some kind of minor procedure or something that, that dude, whatever you're being cut on, you ain't it ain't minor. I'm just gonna tell you right now, when you ever be there, right. there's, there's there's nothing minor to that for goodness sakes. It was it was bone spurs in his left elbow that happened during uh, in a fall during the Marquette game two weeks ago. It's not an exact timeline. It initially said he might be out the rest of the season. Now they're saying he's gonna be out for a few more weeks. So we'll see. I thought I heard he had something cleaned out, but maybe that was somebody else. I don't know. Yeah, no, he had, uh, I think, uh, elbow. Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, he had it cleaned uh, out, right. Bone spurs will clear you out, but but clean you out, but it still is not, it, it's not optimal for goodness but sake. It's the, the, the age-old adage that there's no such thing as minor surgery. That's correct. It's all major. Let's go to the American Athletic Conference where uh, UC will play at Houston on Saturday. It's actually nationally televised on CBS. Um UC is at the bottom looking up, so we're we're talking about winter bust. So let's go to the rest of the league. Houston is clearly the best, eleven and one overall, six and one in the league. Then there's our Wichita, which is eight and three and four and one. And after that, I'm not sure where we're at. Maybe Smooth. Maybe is that it? Maybe I, I I'm not sold completely on Wichita. I was gonna um, say I don't think Wichita's. I'm with you. I'm with you. But they're eight and three and four and one in this year of playing games. They've played eleven, so God love them. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a decent mix of um, a couple veteran guys that are kind of carrying the load for them. Uh, Tyson Etienne being kind of the main one. Uh, Dexter Dennis uh, being another one. Yeah. So, but I, we talked about this last week. I, I don't know. I mean, I, Houston's good just because of the way that they play and they can take you out of your stuff and they can be physical and they, they hit the glass as hard as anybody in the country without Caleb Mills. I, I don't know specifically how good they are. I mean, I, I, in terms of, are they a legit top 10 team? I, I don't think so. Cause I think they've still got too many, you know, they don't really have anybody in the post that can get you buckets. They don't shoot it uh, all that well outside of, you know, one or two guys. Um, and the rest of the league, I just, it's a bunch of, eh. I, I, I don't know who I like from what I've seen. I mean, you like some pieces on different teams. Memphis is six and five. What, like, who, like, Memphis isn't very good. Uh, I, I told, we're supposed to believe Tulsa's serious. No, no, agreed. No, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm with you. I don't believe it. I, I, you know, USF and UCF have a couple pieces. But I don't think they have anything you can really rely on 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 either team. Um, it's it's a I think outside of somebody else winning the tournament, which Houston hasn't been very good at winning the American Conference tournament. It, it looks like a one bid league to me right now. Well, that's the weird thing about it is I wouldn't have said that except for you start looking at all the other teams and they all racked up losses early. 
Yeah. It's like everyone else has at least seven or eight losses. Yeah. I mean, that's been the problem with this league the entire time, right? Because they can't get out of their own way in non-conference play. They not win marquee non-conference games for the most part. Most of the teams shoot themselves in the foot and lose a bye game or two. So by the time you even get to conference play, you're, you're fighting uphill and you're not doing anybody else in the league any good. You can't even collude. There's no collusion in the American Athletic Conference because it doesn't matter who you beat because they all stink. You got to have some of that at the end of the year. You got to have some of it. Well, right. it doesn't it's, work in the American Conference when the, the collu- bid collusion and the mid-tier teams have 10 losses, 11 points. That's good Yeah, point. that's my point. There, yeah. There's no collusion because it doesn't matter which one of them you beat because none of them are help. None of them do anything for your resume. This this league is – it's been frustrating not seeing year-over-year progress. That's the thing, right? Like, okay, you're a new league, but you have some programs that have some juice. But you would think as the league establishes – and you've got at least some names coaching in this league. I guess you can, you're getting to the point you can argue how good of any of them are. But you've got some name power – coaching-wise in this league, at the top at least, and nobody's been able to gain year-over-year momentum to, to on that path to, you know, we're te- top 75, now we're top 50, now we're top 40, now we're cracking into that top 25 range. No, you, no. Seen, you, you've it, seen teams get top 75, and then they vanish back to 150 the next year. Right, and, that, and that, that's a great point because that's where it's been. It's been, okay, you're really good, and then you're gone. And you're really good, and then you're gone. And you're really good, and then they're gone, you're gone. And that doesn't do well for a league. I mean, I mean, look, look, at, look at a lot of leagues. Like Kentucky is always the benchmark in, in the SEC, right? So right. that's your benchmark. And I'm not sure there's a benchmark. UC was yeah, kind of that benchmark, and they're not any longer. Now it's Houston, but – I mean, I don't know. I, I, it, it's frustrating watching this league not be able to get out of its own way because they just they can't do anything to help themselves. All right, Rick, let's talk about NKU, where uh, back-to-back weekends uh, losses at Cleveland State, which is clearly the best team in the league. God love them. I, it's stunning what they've done. One of them was in OT, and then two really close losses to IUPUI. Um, that's a disappointing four game stretch. Listen, at Cleveland State, you split it great. At IUPUI at home, you should win both, and they haven't. What's going on? Well, you'd like to say they should win both, and I do think they're better than IUPUI. And I think, you know, again, we, we talked about this with the Cleveland State game. It's like you'd love to see them play them in, in a month or two, right? The issue here is your best player is freshman Marquez Warwick, a guard yep. that weighs 150 pounds. And, and he's been freshman of, the, freshman of the week in the league, what, 12 straight weeks or 15 straight yeah. weeks or 16 straight weeks? Yeah, and he's been great, and he's scoring points and everything, but there's two ends of the court. And yep. the last two games, both Cleveland State and IUPY, you're going against senior guards that have taken their beatings against NKU for the last three to four years. And Marquez Warwick did nothing to earn this target on his back. He doesn't know why there are ripped seniors who are very athletic and tough and pretty good players in their own right who are who coming. Are, who are trying to kick your possession. ass. Yeah. Yes. And, and neither does Trey Robinson and neither does David Bam. And so, like, they're a little shell-shocked, to be honest, right now. And, and you can look at it and say, that's unacceptable, and we're NKU, and we're the class of this conference. And and that's great. And, I, and I'd like to think that's the case, too. But it's also kind of laughable to think that you'd – 
have that type of attitude with a program that is this new to division one that you wouldn't think after what we've seen with Xavier and Cincinnati with recent head coach changes and what you have to do to turn over a roster when that happens. And especially when, you know, like your starting center leaves with the, the departing head coach, that that means you're going to be at a deficiency in terms of your talent and you have to rebuild, especially at NKU's level. And it's going to take some time. I think the great thing for NKU fans is you get to look and say, at least this recruiting class that they brought in behind all those guys that just left looks really good. It looks really promising. All three of those guys are playing starter type minutes and making a big impact. And, and Marquez Warwick looks like an absolute star and, and freshman of the year, undoubtedly. So there's a lot of positive signs, but it's not adding up to wins right now because the talent and, and most specifically the shooting from the outside just isn't there. I, I, you got to admit though, the last, this weekend was brutal. I it's mean, you swallow. Can't lo- you, yeah. you, I mean, losing one's fine. The way this, this thing has worked out. You're playing back-to-back days against the same team. There's no chance other than a walkthrough the morning before to readjust, but you can't lose this weekend. You can't get swept this weekend. I'd like to say the same thing, but again, like Jalen Minette and Marcus Burke, the two best players for IUPUI are two really talented guards who are physically strong and great scorers. And, NKU didn't really have an answer for those guys. And on the other end of the court, they took it really personally that they were going to win this game and get some stops at a level that I don't know that they always play at, quite honestly, on the defensive end. And I think NKU's dealing with that a lot this year. Cleveland State was legitimately good. IUPUI isn't all that good, but I think they saw a vulnerable team that they, that's beaten them up a lot the last few years, and, and their seniors went out there and, and took care of matters. So Rick, that's not fun, but I think that's the reality of the situation right now. Rick, how much is that something? Because I think it's something that UC is dealing with as well, that for four years they pretty much punked everybody in the American Athletic Conference, and now they're restructuring and and getting things going in a different direction. And everybody looks at that point on the schedule and says, you know what, these guys kicked our ass for three, four years, and uh, not not this time. Like like they look at it circled and say, we're going to make a point here tonight. Yeah, especially when you got those guys. I mean, the, the names probably mean nothing to local fans who don't follow Horizon League, but a Jayla Manette, a Marcus Burke, a Trey Gomillion, guys who have been around the conference the entire time. They've seen NKU beat them by 20-plus points in their right. gyms. It matters to them. It's personal to them. Like, you could see it. There's been a lot of trash talk coming NKU's way this year in a way that I've never seen before, and it makes sense. Those teams weren't so eager to speak up when they were getting their brains beat in, and now that they're beating you on your home floor, they're chirping a little bit, and I get that. Like, And I don't think NKU's freshmen are necessarily ready for that. Trayvon Faulkner's trying to respond, but – He's been the fourth or fifth guy on all these other teams. He's he's having a big transition too to being a go-to scorer, which doesn't necessarily suit his skill set the best. There's a lot of parallels between NKU and UC, aren't there? Well, honestly, I think you can throw Xavier, the rebuild Travis Steele's been going through in that same mix. Like right now, they look to see a little light at the end of the tunnel and they seem to be moving in the right direction. But just last year, they were in the exact same spot these other two programs are in. They didn't have any shooting and that makes everything on the offense really, really difficult. Exactly. And Cal? (laughs) Yeah. He's he's not in his his second or third year. Actually, I think think Cal and... and, uh, and Darren Horn might have the best parallels this season if you compare their two teams because both of them have talented freshmen who just aren't quite ready to win games right now. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I think it proves that even if you have five-star well freshmen, they might not necessarily win you games. 
Well done. All right. Lastly, let's look at the national landscape because we've not done it in the last two weeks because um, it's so disjointed. Um, and um, Gonzaga has clearly ascended to number one and Baylor has clearly ascended to number two. It's funny. If you look at the um, at the AP or the net or whatever, um, Villanova is probably three. And it feels like it's a big jump down between Gonzaga to Baylor to Nova, to then Texas, Iowa, Kansas, whatever. I mean, name another team. Is it is it Gonzaga? If I gave you guys a hundred bucks a piece right now, I just reached out and because I love you both, I love you. If I gave you guys a hundred bucks a piece and said, "Here's a hundred bucks, bet it on Gonzaga or the field," where do we go? I think I go Gonzaga. <laughs> I, maybe if I can, I include can I get Baylor along with Gonzaga? No, you cannot. That's why I was saying you got Gonzaga Baylor doesn't field, do it right? for me. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and be the hater. I'm with here. you. I, Baylor's with undefeated. You. I don't see them as like a national championship type team. Now, maybe I'm with you, Rick. weird or whatever, but like they don't do it for me. Gonzaga looks They're so old. far and away the most talented team in the country. Ridiculous. And every year we sit here and say, oh, it seems so wide open. Any team could win it. I don't feel that way at all this year. Like I think I, Gonzaga I, so far and away looks like the clear favorite. I don't even see how another team can beat them. Now, the NCAA tournament could, is a one-game scenario, so anything can happen, but... Correct. Could, 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 I, could Iowa outscore them? They can outscore anybody, yeah. I mean, if, if they shoot Correct. 60% from three in a game, which legitimately they're capable of on like 30 attempts, then yeah, you can lose to Iowa. Of course. But when, but, when you watch Gonzaga... But guess, but guess what? I, I, Iowa won't guard, so it doesn't matter. So, good. When you watch Gonzaga, doesn't it feel like they have like seven guys that would be the best player on your team? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. All this, you know some of the stuff we've seen from Jalen Suggs, that bounce pass he threw, what, two weeks ago? With the spin on it? With yeah. the spin on it that spun, that spun back to a guy, like through a defender and spun back to the guy running down the floor. You watch them and it's like, that's their third guy off the bench and he, he might be the best player in the American Conference all as the was, third guy off their bench. They're ridiculous. All, all it was missing was the on-court PA DJ just yeah. talking yes. like it was the <laughs> one mixed dropped a dime. He dropped that's, a dime. That's the only time you see a pass like that. That's that really, was the most. That, is that the best pass you've seen in like ten years? That was really good. I mean that 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 is Jamal Walker worthy of. He dropped a dime. I'm sure Kendall Marshall threw a couple like that along the way somewhere. But yeah, I mean I that is, that was unbelievable. They're just they're so complete. They have everything. If they, if they want to go inside to get a bucket, they got dudes. If they want to run a set play for a, a three on the, on the wing, if they want to, like, uh, overload you, if you're going to try to play a, a junk defense, they want to overload you and get an easy look for a three on the, on the guy on the weak side on the baseline. Like, it doesn't – everything – and we, you don't get to say this about college teams very often because even the champions over the past couple years have had holes where you can look at them and say, all right, but they don't have this. I don't know what this Gonzaga team doesn't have. I, I don't know what it is that they don't do at an at least above average level. So, and most everything, they do at a great level. So I, I know their metrics will say they're pretty much elite defensively. I don't believe they're an elite defensive team. And I think the biggest reason I think that is because they don't really have rim protectors. You yeah. Know? So I think that's, that's kind maybe of the one thing, the one area where they can maybe be exploited is by some length and athleticism. And again, it, it, it may take a team like Iowa to just 
shoot them out of the gym, but they beat Iowa already, you know? So it's not, I mean, right. like <laughs> it's, it's, they're, they're so good. And Chad, I think you brought up the most relevant point here is that they can play any style. And then I feel like Baylor is built to beat Texas tech. Fair. You know, that, yeah, that's, which, to me, which, which is not great Texas tech, but that is kind of the style they are. They're tough. They're rugged. They're defensive minded, but like they're old. I, they're really old. I just feel like they can get ran out of the gym by some good offensive teams. All right, so what team has the best chance to maybe be? I know this is crazy early to say this. What team has the best chance to win to beat Gonzaga? The Lakers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of teams. I, I would tell you I, this: the Pelicans would have a better chance. But you're right. I I, I don't Illinois? know right now. Illinois. <laughs> No, nah, I don't like that. You know, Illinois I mean, that just got boat raced by Minnesota. I, I know. I'm just throwing out teams. I'm throwing teams out just because. Let me let me throw this this out to you guys. Bec- and, and the reason I'll say it is because I think they're kind of similar in that they can play every style. They have an inside presence and they're super confident in their system and who they are, which is kind Nova. of I think. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah, that's, that's the call. team that comes to yeah, mind for call. me is like if they're on their A game, they can take you out of what you do a little bit. They can get on fire. They're shooting really well from three. They move the ball. They'll stick to their stuff. They're super confident in the process. That's to me what it takes to beat this Gonzaga team. And even then, I mean, it's a prayer. I mean, but, but we hang have on. To deal hang with on. Is, is there, is there, co- is there, is there a coach ever won anything? No. Once or twice. I don't think so. I think Nova's. Twice. Oh, okay. Eh. Just making sure. Okay. No, good I mean, point. The, the only thing you have to worry about with Nova is a little bit of recency bias in that we haven't seen them in a month. Right. Yeah, that's a problem right. for right. December twenty third. Right Dude, sure. December twenty-third. It's January seventeenth, as we are uh, as play Correct. Was, as, as record was hit on this podcast. So but if but if they're hitting yes. herd immunity right now and they get to play for two <laughs> yeah, straight to end the season, then they might be in really good shape come March. I no, know. you're right. This is yeah, they, they may they, look up and Gonzaga and Gonzaga's in quarantine. Yeah, Gonzaga's in quarantine at that point. They're good. They win. We're not in quarantine, they are good. We win. That's what so, that's who can stop Gonzaga coronavirus. <laughs> that's it's a, it. We missed it. We missed the easy answer. That was that yes. was the easy answer because that that might be the only thing that can stop the Zags a, right now. That's a perfect point, boys. Perfect point. <laughs> All right, man. I'm disappointed right, in us. I'm disappointed in us for letting that for not realize. Yes, correct. Good point. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Good point. All right, Rick, any final thoughts? I know there are some degenerates who listen to this podcast and specifically our other podcast. We talk about betting a lot. I went over across the river today and instead of going to a casino or going to the circle K parking lot to put my bets in on the app, like I usually do, I turned right off the exit and I went to the wings and rings and watched that first game skinny. It's tough to beat that experience right now. I guarantee I, I'm sure you're right. You go over, you sit in a restaurant, socially distanced, you get some drinks. The, uh, the customer service was great. You live bet on the apps on your phone right there in Lawrenceburg. I mean, that was, I, I haven't been to Vegas ever, but that was about as fun of a football watching experience as I've ever had. Were, were people going nuts over like literally every result? There were uh, there were a few other betters inside the the wings and rings. Yes, there was definitely some cheering going yes, on. It wasn't crazy though. I mean, it wasn't a full packed house. They kind of have it spaced out a little bit, so it was real. It was real comfortable. I like that. Have you have you done the the barstool sportsbook yet? Yes, yes, it is. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, it's fantastic. They did a, a great job with it. Um, it remodeled the little bar they had in there before, which they kind of needed, and they just you the know, prop, they, It's too the problem is. 
Yeah, it's too crowded. There's too many live betting people that makes me mad. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I almost called them on Friday night because I was mad. <laughs> I walked out to the casino where you can bet in the other kios- kiosks. That's where I go, yeah. Me. Yeah, and it, it, it just makes me mad. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to be mad because I'm mad about life in general, but I'm going to leave it at that. I'm, yeah. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, to be honest so. with you, Chad, I don't really go in there just because it's always crowded and people are hogging the machine. So okay, I just, I just didn't know what it, I, I, I as, as one that is not the gambling type, uh, yes. I haven't made it down there yet. It does and, look. It does look great, though. It looks great. That's a fact. That is a fact. All right, Chad Brendel, you're always good for the last hot take. Give it to me. Rick, thoughts on uh, uh, vaccinated Richard Skinner? <laughs> Skinny. You, I, All right, I, so hang on. So let me set the stage. So I got vaccinated yesterday on Saturday. We're doing this on first, Sunday night. The first. You got to get two. This is number one, right? This is number one. I get vaccinated two time, or the second time on February 6th. And so... Um, I heard stories about it, so I got vaccinated, and I'm good with it. I'm not a big I, – I, I'm not a flu shot guy. I got the flu a bunch as a kid. I've never had as an adult – literally, I've never had as an adult. I had it like three or four times as a kid. And so after not having it as an adult, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do this. I'm good. So but with this one, I, I'm just not a vaccine guy, but I thought, you know what? They're giving it to me for free. I'm not going to be stupid. Let me go do this. So I went and did it, and um, they told me that – Hey, this could be three or four days. You're not going to feel great. Um, let us know if it's worse than that, if it goes longer than that. But for the first day, you're probably not going to feel good. Okay. So about 630, it hit me, and they told me it was going to be a four or five hours. They, they, they Actually, the, you, get vac- you get vaccinated, and they leave you there for 15 minutes, and they say, just stay here. If something happens bad, we've got a fix. I don't know what the fix is, but call the fix. <laughs> not sure what the fix we've is. we got a fix. We've got a Holy fix. Holy shit. So I'm good with the fix. So I was good for the first 15 minutes. I leave. I go home. I'm watching the Kentucky game into the NFL playoff games. And about 630, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like ass. <laughs> and so I get hot. I get a little fever. I get a little um, sniffles. I get a little everything. So I go through the night. It wasn't a good night. My arm hurts. My I can't sleep. But I get up and I'm good. By the time I get up at like 10 o'clock in the morning, I feel great. So I'm going to tell you what was, but what was the fix you told us? Like what got you on the right track this, this morning? A couple of co- coffee this morning, a cocktail last night got me close, but, a, <laughs> but, a, but coffee this morning got me dead. Right. So I'm just going to tell you that don't be afraid of it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the podcast right now and I feel great. I feel perfect. I can't feel any better than I feel right now. So I'm, I'm telling you the, the vaccine, if you can get it, people get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't really my concern. I have two statements to make now. You have what, no concern about me, jackass. Yeah, exactly. Do I need to strike that you're an anti-vaccine guy from the record here on this podcast? I don't want people to think we're <laughs> no. like a conspiracy anti-vax podcast here. Like Richard. Uh, no, Jones I'm not an anti-vax guy. I'm okay. not an anti-vax guy. I just, okay. I've just, I just had bottom line is I had flu and, as a kid right. three or four times and I don't want to have flu again. I don't want you to give me flu. So Good I luck. wanted to clarify for anyone out there keeping a Thank running you, tally of which type of guy Thank you, you were, whether or not you were an anti-vax guy or not. I he's, think. He's Thank not, you, Rick. He's not anti-vax. He just grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and he's already got everything in there. He's not exactly a vaccine guy per se, but he's not anti-vax. Right, but but he, well, he's, he's, he's not as worried about it because he already contaminated his body enough through childhood into early adulthood that he still feels pretty good in his fifties. Okay. So my other, 
My other concern Bing, here is... Hang on. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> guess what? Vodka, vodka will kill anything. Vodka will kill everything. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think there might be some science to that. Um, There's that. Yes. How about I, bourbon? I'm a bourbon guy. Does bourbon take care mm, of it? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but I'm not a big bourbon <laughs> guy. But yes, I, I like bourbon. It'll Good also point, give you yes. diabetes, so... Yeah, so, well, there's you know, that too. You win some, you lose some. Yes. Um, <laughs> but my, I guess my biggest concern here with this whole situation was while I am concerned for your well-being, Skinny, I just have no, to question not. slightly whether or not this was the best use of our vaccines. I don't know, like podcaster slash basketball coach or first responders. Are they all are they all, all taken care of yet? From what I understand is first responders have been taken care of, and I would give it to them in a heartbeat if they were to give me a choice. All they said is, here's the date. Go. If you don't go, you're out. And I'm, I'm like, not mad at you. Well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm glad you took advantage of it. It was the smart thing to do. But like, what about my deli lady at the uh, at the supermarket? Has she been taken care of? I'm a little, you know, I mean, like she has a job to do, too. I, I hope she is. She's seeing a lot of people. I'm sure she does. OK, I hope she is. I hope she does. But. I don't know the answer to that, bro. I just know that they gave me a choice and I'm going, I'll take it. Put I'm it in my arm. Let's go. I'm glad you Game did. On. I'm glad you're going to be uh, safe here soon. My, uh, the, uh, you have to, you have to admire the, the process at Beachwood. Like Beachwood takes care of everybody. That's got any association with Beachwood. My, my uncle, uh, he used to be the band director at Beachwood many, many moons ago. Okay. Yep. And he is, he is now back, uh, you know, helping, the band at Beachwood and he was vaccinated yesterday as well. So you might've seen him at the same time. I probably did. I probably Why did. Didn't you ask him, Hey, are you Chad's uncle? I didn't know him, but if I knew him, I would have said it. That's rude. <laughs> Good point. He probably Hi, boys. To this. Hi, Bosco. Your I, uncle's name is Bosco. That's his name's Brian. He goes by Bosco. Oh man. Like Rico Bosco. Yeah. Rico Bosco. Uh, one, uh, one, one other one. Um, yeah, should I, should I be concerned? So uh, my daughter is is her name's Kelsey. She was named after Jason Kelsey. In 2010, uh, when Jason Kelsey was getting ready to go off to the NFL, then, yes, uh, you should be concerned. OK, well, so my daughter has figured out who Travis Kelsey is now. And she informed me this weekend that she is not named after Jason that she is instead named after Travis because he's the cute one. She's 10. What's my level of concern here? She's right. He is the cute one. So she has good taste. I wouldn't be concerned. Okay. He's rich. Too. I'm with you on that. They're both rich. They're both like, yeah, they but might he's be... the good looking one and he's rich. So she's smart. Okay. Somebody pointed out that, uh, it, you know, Jason would probably be the better one to cuddle with. You would know more about that than us. <laughs> I was. I'm sure. I'm sure. No. I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm in the cuddle game at all. So there's that. Oh, I've got no choice. I, I'm not in the cuddle game. My my wife is anti cuddle. So light goes out. She is turned over and smart uh, woman. asleep faster than I can even try to get like a big spoon in. Nope not not in the Brendel household. Yeah. The dogs don't even. get I don't think the it's Brendel the big household. spoon she's worried about. That's that's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> I just thought I, it was funny. She she brought it up randomly out of nowhere. She was like, Dad, by the way, Travis is the cute one. I'm named after him. And I was like, well, in 2010, uh, he was kind of kicked out of the football program for being a jackass. And uh, we wouldn't have named you after Travis. We named you after Jason. She's like, yeah, that's not how it happened. Even better. Even better. <laughs> 
I just all right, boys, have a, have a great night. Uh, we will be back next week if somebody plays basketball. We're not sure if anybody play, plays basketball at this point ever again. Hopefully I'm not, they do. I, don't, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I do either. Um, so anyway, so for Rick Boring, Chad Brendel, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition.